This is Law for Community Workers On The Go, a podcast for community and health workers. So to me, Fine Fixer is, I suppose, a collection of information on fines from different resources. So of course, Revenue New South Wales was our main resource. But we know when you go onto websites to look for information that often there'll be different pathways that'll lead you and you get confused and you don't know where you should go. So what we've tried to do was narrow down the main aspects of when you've got a, a type of fine, what you should do. So for example, a traffic fine, if you weren't driving, how you should nominate a driver and more information on consequences if you don't nominate a driver or if you incorrectly nominate a driver. Same with the um, ability to maybe if you want to court elect a matter. So, yeah, to me, it's just putting a lot of information into one place and providing direct links to where people can go to make that next step of, of dealing with their fine. So, yeah, just just uh-huh. a, a portal that's <laughs> full of easy easy to read and links to access to be able to deal and hopefully resolve a fine issue. My name is Josh and I'm a solicitor in the Community Legal Education Branch at Legal Aid New South Wales. I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation who are the traditional owners of the land where I'm recording this podcast from. I would also like to pay respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. Today we're talking about fines and Fine Fix in New South Wales, which is a new online tool that helps you find out what your options are when you get a fine. Fines are the most common legal issue that civil lawyers at Legal Aid New South Wales advise on, but this is a tool that may reduce those numbers. This tool can help higher capacity clients so that they may not need to speak to a lawyer, or it could also help community workers like you who are working with clients who may not have the digital literacy or may face other barriers when trying to use this tool so that your client may not need to speak to a lawyer. We do, of course, accept that there will be some situations where, of course, the best thing for a client is to speak to a lawyer about their fines and other legal issues. In this episode, we introduce you all, our community worker audience, to this great tool, which can be used in both Victoria and New South Wales. We'll hear a bit more about the history of this tool during the episode. So how does it work? In broad terms, it works like this. If you get a fine or someone you're working with gets a fine, just Google Fine Fix in New South Wales and go to the website, which, as it happens, has a really good simple design that looks good on any device that you're using. Once you're on the website, you're asked a series of questions so that the tool can figure out what's going on and then it spits out what your options are to deal with that fine. Magic, or maybe programming. I always confuse those two. Okay, three thoughts before we start speaking with our guests. I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, people will be aware that before paying a fine, it's good to think about whether it was correctly issued first and looking at whether you can challenge it. Of course, we will talk about work and development orders, which are great. Stay tuned for more about that. But as a first step, generally, we should be looking at whether the fine was correctly issued. If a client you're working with has multiple fines, it can be an indicator that something bigger is going on for them in their life. And it could be a good time to do a legal health check to see if there are any other legal issues that they may need help with. We'll put in the show notes some information about legal health checks. And thirdly, 
We hope that this tool can become part of what you and your clients, where appropriate, think of when you get a fine. This tool can be a great first step to see what your options are and help avoid the situation where people don't take any action or aren't sure what to do when they get a fine. And obviously that problem can get bigger over time if you don't take any action. Today, we speak with three experts, Brendan Lakota, former principal solicitor of Mooney Valley Legal Service, who were one of the key organisations behind creating Fine Fixer in Victoria and who is now working as a consultant. Kirsty Harrison, a senior solicitor in Legal Aid New South Wales Work and Development Order Service. And Nicole Stack, a paralegal in the same team who was key in adapting Fine Fixer to New South Wales from Victoria. By the end of this episode, you should have a clear understanding of why this tool matters and the benefits that it offers. We will start off by hearing from Brendan, then we'll hear from Nicole, and finally we'll finish off with Kirsty. Hi, I'm Brendan Lakota. I'm a consultant that works on a number of projects in the legal assistance sector, including technology and evaluation. With FineFixer, I was involved as a project manager um, in my role as principal of the Mooney Valley Legal Service. Wonderful. And can you explain to us what is FineFixer? FineFixer is an online tool that helps people to understand their infringements work out what they can do about them, and take action. How did it come about? Where, where did this all begin? So FineFixer was an idea that came out of a program called the RMIT Fast Track program. So a group of students were presented with a challenge. FineFixer started in Victoria, where at the time, so this was in uh, 2015, at the time the infringement system was incredibly confusing. People couldn't understand where they were coming from. Um, If they had lots of fines, it became very difficult to understand what their options might be. So we presented this knotty problem to a group of students at RMIT who went through a 13-week design thinking program where they were guided through design thinking methodologies to try and figure out, well, is there a way that we can try and solve this problem and make fines easier to understand for people? So they went through this process and what they hit on was the idea that there was this entire cohort of help seekers who had received fines in Victoria who weren't eligible for legal aid, they weren't eligible for assistance from a community legal centre, but they still didn't know what to do with their fines. But they were able to use online tools to try and understand their fines better, and with a bit of information, were really quite capable of self-helping, whether that be putting in applications for internal review or trying for special circumstances, uh, which is for people who have more significant uh, circumstances going on in their life that might excuse them from having to pay the fine and the penalty, Uh, all the way through to trying to identify people who really shouldn't be using an online tool and needed to get help from whether it be legal aid or from a community legal centre. And do we know a lot about who the users ended up being? So when the RMIT students identify this particular cohort, of kind of high capacity people who, who might be able to resolve their own problems using an online tool. Who, who did those people end up being? Do we know a lot about them? Yeah, so we completed an evaluation towards the conclusion of the funded part of the project and we identified that the key user cohort was middle-aged people with a slightly higher number of uh, women than men using the tool 
but there was also a significant cohort of users in the over 60s bracket of people who had found their way to Fine Fixer actually from Facebook, if you'd believe it. Um, mm. It was where they, they were coming in from. And they were coming through because they were asking questions about the couple of finds that they did have. One of the things that Fine Fixer, I think, does very well is a couple of really deceptively simple questions right at the start of the tool that are used as heuristics to try and identify whether or not the help seeker is somebody who really should be using a online tool or not. And these questions are just asked about the number of fines the person has. If a person has one fine, then they go through with no problem at all and they can ask a series of other questions and be given tailored information to their circumstances. But if the person identifies that they have multiple fines, they're presented with an opportunity to either get immediately directed to legal help or try and prioritise their fines based on the one that's most urgent. Mm. Um, and if they're unable to do that, then that's also that's taken as a heuristic that they probably need legal help and should go to a community legal centre or legal aid to get some further assistance, even if it is just some one-off advice. And then the final question is if they don't know how many fines they have. And that's taken as a big red flag that says this person really does need help because they don't even know how many fines they've got. They probably shouldn't be using an online tool and need some more intensive help and are directly sent off to, again, legal aid or a community legal centre. So by using those really deceptively simple questions right at the start of the tool, we try and identify people who uh, can self-identify as having the capacity to get some online legal help and send those who it identifies as being unlikely to be able to use the tool or get adequate assistance from the tool, sends them off to the appropriate service. Because one of the guiding principles that we had during building the tool was making sure that we didn't want people getting bad information. We didn't want somebody who, for example, might have really extreme exceptional or special circumstances going through the tool and then finding themselves in court at the end of the process. That was the last thing that we wanted to happen. So we wanted to make sure that we did all that we could to identify those people early and send them to the right help. But in the mm. same token, we didn't want to take away people's agency and people's ability to solve their own legal problems if they were able to get the information that they needed. So we wanted to make that information accessible and tailored because what was out there at the time was often difficult to work out what applied to your circumstances. Mm. Oh, how excellent. And what made you choose fines as the legal issue that you wanted to create this tool for? Well, at the time, infringements were taking up a disproportionate amount of resources at legal aid and community legal centres around the state. Often they were small matters where a little bit of information for the individual about whether or not they had a likely chance of success or even just providing them with a template letter for an internal review was enough to get that person on their way. So we needed to make sure that we had a tool that could suit the needs of that sort of help seeker. But we also knew that there are a lot of people out there who didn't even identify a fine as a legal problem, but they were Googling it. They were trying to figure out 
what they should do online, and there wasn't a lot of information online at the time that was specific or that was easy to understand. So there were lots of individual fact sheets and things, but the person had to wade through lots and lots of text and information to figure out what applied to them and what didn't. So by presenting this information in a new way, in a question and answer, and using some simple um, if-then artificial intelligence, so some, some guided decision pathways, so some quite simple AI, we were able to make sure that the information they were presented with was much more narrowly confined to their circumstances and easier to digest. Mm. And do we know much about what impact fines have on an individual or multiple fines can have on somebody? Is it the kind of legal issue that can... Yeah, so we know that people who have lots of fines, well, A, it's often an indicator of underlying equal problems, and that goes back to that heuristic question I was talking about at the start of saying if somebody has multiple fines, especially if they don't even know how many fines they have, that's an indicator that there's something else going on and they probably need to be linked in with legal services more generally. So that's another reason why that heuristic question is asked in the way that it is. So we know that fines are associated with other indicators of disadvantage. Often there are comorbidity with other legal problems and often health problems. Usually they they might be, and there's lots of different situations that might arise in, but it could arise in the context of having other criminal matters. It could arise in the context of family violence or Mm. ongoing family law or child protection proceedings. A large number of fines, especially ones that have progressed to an enforcement stage or past just the infringement notice stage, are really an indicator of complexity in a person's life and an inability at that point in time, to prioritise those fines because of other things that are going on in their life. So they can actually be used as as an indicator of someone who needs to get help and may actually be an impetus for someone to do so. Mm. You also mentioned that you had the project evaluated. What did you learn from that evaluation? Yeah, that evaluation was really interesting because at that time in, in 2018, Fine Fixer was one of the first guided pathways for a legal problem in Victoria. There wasn't a lot of information out there about how people would use it, and there were a lot of assumptions as well. One of the big ones, of course, and people often still try and rely on this, is that older people aren't going to use online tools. It's a common assumption, and one that just isn't true. And that was one of the things that we found in the Fine Fixer evaluation, is that A... Older people certainly are going to use the tool, but we need to make sure that we're going to places where they're going to find it. They may not Google it in the same way that someone in their early 20s or early 30s might do. The other thing that we found, and that's related to how people find the pathway into the tool, is that marketing is essential. Building an online tool and just having it sit there is essentially useless. You need to invest quite heavily in making sure that you've got a strong Google ad campaign, that you're linked in with social media and social media marketing to make sure that the product that you've produced or the tool that you've produced actually gets in front of people. Google AdWords in particular are a really powerful tool for -for not-for-profits because a lot of not-for-profits are eligible for a Google ad grant, which means that they can 
have quite a sizable, it's 10,000 US dollars a month of Google ad dollars available to them free of charge if they're eligible for this grant. And it's a really powerful tool because it gives you the ability to get just-in-time information in front of somebody. So if you're, for example, handing out fact sheets at a community centre or something like that, you may hand your fact sheet to somebody who is thinking about the problem that you've got the fact sheet about at that point in time and are really looking for assistance with it, but chances are they're probably not and you're really taking quite a scattergun approach to it. The power of Google Ads and Google Search in particular is that you get in front of the eyeballs of somebody who is looking for that information right then because they're actively seeking it out. So if you can make sure that your tool appears high in search results, in particular high in organic search results if you can, but Google Ads if you can't quite get there with the organic results, that can be an incredibly powerful tool for community legal education because it means that not only is the tool there and you've built the tool for that person, but that person is actually actively seeking information about it at that point in time. So they're much more likely to take action than someone who's, for example, just handed a fact sheet at a community centre. So that marketing point, I think, was probably the most interesting finding of the evaluation, uh, one that has been of most interest to me in how we develop tools and, and how we think about digital products for help seekers over the five or six years since we launched FindFixer because it's something that's often overlooked is thinking, well, if I just build this tool, people will use it. And I think what we've learned over the years is that just isn't true. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And do we also know much about whether users, like whether there was a big percentage of users that were actually able to resolve their finds issues? Yeah, so this is one of the one of the problems, I guess, with an online tool, especially one where, like FindFixer, we actively made the decision not to collect information about the help seeker, mm-hmm. is it makes it very hard for you to follow up um, and do an evaluation of, well, what happens after the person uses the information in the tool. So we had some, some simple evaluation tools at the bottom of each page saying, was this useful? Did this information help? That sort of thing. And people said that they found it quite useful. Um, interestingly, every page on the site had quite a high positive score of, was this helpful? Yes, except for one. And that was the one where it told people that they just had to pay their fine. <laughs> Um, people not liking that bad news. People, yeah. people did not like that advice. Um, yeah. But that said, the only way that they ever got to that page was if they said that they'd received the fine, they didn't have any special circumstances, and they didn't have any reason why they shouldn't have to pay the fine. So that one I always found quite interesting. <laughs> that yeah. somehow uh, led to negative scores, but there you go. How to follow up people... Uh, for online tools, though, is such an interesting question because we we have to make this decision early on when you're designing an online tool about whether or not you want to collect information about the help seeker up front or, or towards the end of the tool. Are you going to collect an email address or a way to contact them later for a follow-up evaluation? Mm. In building FindFixer, we made the decision not to collect this information 
I think it's certainly open to, to other people building different sorts of tools to collect that information and see if the person is willing to to complete evaluations after the fact. And I think that's really a, an interesting open space for, for people to grow into as there are more and more tools like this um, available to help seekers around Australia. Mm. And what made you decide not to collect that data? As I said at the start, this was designed using a human-centred design process. And one of the things that was called out very early on in the process in some of our prototyping was people didn't like it when we asked for names and email addresses early on and when we showed prototypes that didn't have that in it. People who hadn't seen earlier versions with this request for information positively said, oh, oh, you mean I can I can use this whole thing? I don't have to give you my name or my email address or anything. That's mm. great. That's fantastic. Mm. So in our, in our user testing, people just loved that it didn't have that information being collected and it found it to be much more attractive to them to use and, and positively said, well, I'm much more likely to use this because I know you're not collecting data about me. I know you're not going to use this against me in some way. Mm. So it became much more trustworthy to them because you weren't asking for information about them. So on balance with whether or not we could have done an effective evaluation, I think we made the right decision based on the user testing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Brendan Lakota. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your insights into FindFixer. We're very excited to have the tool in New South Wales now. And thank you again. Thanks, Josh. I am delighted to see Fine Fixer grow and launch in New South Wales. It was always in the back of all of our minds as we were building the tool um, back in 2015 that wouldn't it be great if we could roll out something like this nationally and to see it um, making its way up the eastern seaboard is just fantastic. We're now going to hear from Nicole, who played a really big role in this project. Could you start by introducing yourself? I'm Nicole Stack, and I'm a paralegal in the Work and Development Order Service at Legal Aid. And we deal mainly with fines and, uh, of course, getting people onto Work and Development Orders and with the sponsors who help the clients. Oh, wonderful. And I understand you've also done some of the work in terms of bringing FineVixer from Victoria to New South Wales so that people in Victoria and New South Wales can both now go to FineFixer to, to get help with their fines. Is that right? That is correct, yes. So I was involved in the initial stage, which was with you, Josh, and Kirsty from the WDO team and Legal Aid and the CLE team. And um, that basically went to ground after a little while, but then FineFixer made its uh, resurrection in FineFixer 2.0. And it was only by chance, really, that I got involved the second time. Um, the solicitor that I work with, Linda Mines, was part of the FineFixer team. And she just happened to say to me one day, oh, we've got this meeting. Do you want to jump in since you had something to do with it in the first place? And so I said, oh, yeah. And then I became very involved. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what did that involve? Um, so I started that initial meeting I was in on. They just put the pathways for Fine Fix in New South Wales together, which they, of course, based heavily on how the Victorian Fine Fixer pathways worked. 
So having had um, <laughs> some like past history in dealing with fines in the actual um, government side of things with Revenue New South Wales, I had a pretty good understanding of what the ebb and flow of fines and how the system works and the process of beginning to end. So, yeah, I was able to pick up uh, within that pathway things within New South Wales that were totally different to, to how things work in, in Victoria. And were there a lot of differences? Um, there were quite a few differences. Uh, the Victorian system, uh, so Vic Finds in Victoria, is very much a like just a debt collection centre. So whilst they receive all the reviews and people that want to appeal their fines, that sort of information through Vic Finds, a lot of the actual review of appeals go back to the court system or they go back to the issuing authorities. So yeah, their impact on how how they deal with it was quite different to how Revenue New South Wales deal with fines. Revenue New South Wales are very involved in the system from, from way to go. So after fines been issued, the issuing authorities basically don't have anything to do with it again, unless it ends up in court. So Revenue New South Wales make all the review decisions. They set up the payment plans. They um, have work and development orders in place, which a lot of the other states, and with Victoria, their WDP program was still only in very early throws back then. And, yeah, they basically are the ones that are, are the go-to in dealing with clients. So their system of how a review would be done was very different to Victoria. The option to do a WDO is very different to Victoria. Revenue New South Wales also deals a lot with government debt as well, which includes civil type debt like ambulance fees under the COVID public health orders. They also now deal with the quarantine fees that the government's putting out for the mandatory quarantine. So yeah, they have a, another separate collection system for that. So um, we had to provide details on those. They also do some review for other government type fines like New South Wales government voting fines and jury duty fines. So there were other areas that we, we had to look at to be included. Is there a huge, I mean, I understand there's a huge range of fines. I'm just trying to understand how, how would you try and capture all of the different fines and all of the different pathways? Yeah. I'm just trying to get a grasp on the kind of the size of the task that you're working on. Yep, so it, it was a challenge. So there's around 17,000 different fines in New South Wales. So when we first <laughs> looked at that, of course, you can't give a client advice on every single fine. Yeah. So it was basically drilling down what the main types of fines are. So we kind of pulled them into traffic fines, public transport, parking, toll fines and court fines. And then, as I said before, we had like our separate government agency fines, which was a jury duty, ambulance, voting, and oh, also the other one I forgot to include was victims restitution orders because they'd only recently come across from victim services. And then we looked at who the issuing authorities were for the majority of fines. So then that came down to them being likely to be either council or, or police for um parking traffic offences, 
So we kind of included those type of fines in there. Plus we put council in for separate fines because they also look after things like dog fines and fines that um, come under that kind of jurisdiction. So, yeah, so we kind of pulled them into who was likely to issue a fine and the great broader aspect of what the fine was likely to be about. Yeah, okay. And is there a situation where somebody would have a particular type of fine and it's not covered by a fine fixer? Um, not that I can think of. With where in Victoria, that's that's where it may differ. But as mm. I said, we're pretty lucky in New South Wales that Revenue New South Wales basically captures the majority of fines mm. that are government issued. So yeah, I suppose the ones that would likely flag as not being available for a solution under Fine Fixer would be private parking fines. But uh-huh. we did work into our our scope of work to provide information on where people should go with those types of fines. Same with toll fines, well, not the actual fines, but the toll fee. Uh-huh. So tollways look after non-paid tolls. Then what they will do is issue a fine if a person doesn't deal with those unpaid tolls, but those unpaid tolls still sit there, of course. Uh-huh. So people still need to deal with the tollway. So we also gave some information on, on how people can go about dealing with their tolls as well. Have you tried to explain what Fine Fixer is to somebody who's never heard of it? And is there a particular wording that you use to try to break down exactly what this is? So to me, Fine Fixer is, I suppose, a collection of information on fines from different resources. So, of course, Revenue New South Wales was our main resource. But we know when you go onto websites to look for information that often there'll be different pathways that'll lead you and you get confused and you don't know where you should go. So what we've tried to do was narrow down the main aspects of when you've got a a type of fine, what you should do. So for example, a traffic fine, if you weren't driving, how you should nominate a driver and more information on consequences if you don't nominate a driver or if you incorrectly nominate a driver. Same with the um, ability to maybe if you want a court elect a matter. So, yeah, to me it's just putting a lot of information into one place and providing direct links to where people can go to make that next step of of dealing with their fine. So, yeah, just just a a portal that's (laughs) full of easy, easy to read and links to access to be able to deal and hopefully resolve a fine issue. Yeah, wonderful. And how would you compare Fine Fixer to other ways that people can get information online about what to do if they have a fine? Um, as I said, I think Fine Fixer is a good, uh, a, a central point. So even if it's just that initial starting point for people to find out information about fines, I think it's very good in making people aware that in some instances they shouldn't just deal with your fine, that there's other options. Uh, there's options, well, it's always good to around demerit points um, where people can lose their licence to, to seek legal advice because the advice that other people give you <laughs> may not always be correct. So there may be options for you to not lose your licence or, you know, to go for things like good behaviour periods if you're 
got loss of demerit points or or appeal a license suspension if you're on your P plates. You can go to court and appeal that sort of suspension. So it's just providing people with a range of options um, in one spot. So they don't have to go searching, say, on Revenue New South Wales website, on the RMS website, on councils, um, websites. That's something that's, you know, very complex. Then, yeah, the, the spot would be to refer them to a legal service in their community. Um, if they're in financial hardship, um, there's places there to provide them with um, referrals to financial counsellors. Yes, yeah, so it's just offering a range of services in one point with links that are direct and easy to follow. Do you have any stories about the impact that the work and development order service that you work in? Yep. Do you have any, yeah, any examples of where your service has a really big impact on somebody's life? Yeah, so we often get people that have <laughs> extremely large fines and are extremely vulnerable. Fines are always one of those things that when you've got a lot going on in your life, you really don't want to deal with them. They're kind of the end of the line, <laughs> especially if you've got financial hardship and you've got to pay electricity and eat and, you know, rent, mortgage, whatever else, and you can't just can't deal with the fines. What people don't realise is that that can then lead to further hardship, um, Revenue New South Wales can put further restrictions that stop you from driving, which may stop you going to work, which may impact your income and your circumstances more. So work and development orders uh, were brought in to allow people that can't pay their fines to undertake an activity to pay their fines by non-monetary means. And so we have lots of wonderful sponsors out there. I have seen a number of like people that have, have large debts, they may start off with, um, I suppose they had one person that was in drug and alcohol treatment, so they'd gone through their treatment program and they paid off uh, a number of their fines. Their sponsor organisation, which is, I mean, a lot of them are community and government organisations, so they're aware of other possibilities for clients and this client was you know, it probably come to the end of their drug and alcohol treatment but still had a large amount of fines. And so they referred them back to do a TAFE course and they reported back that after they completed the TAFE course that the change in this person was phenomenal just because of their previous life. They hadn't been very social, but being amongst people, undertaking an education program, drug and alcohol treatment had helped them initially, but it allowed them to move on and look at getting a job uh, whilst they'd also cleared their fine debt in full. Amazing. Yeah. That makes a big difference, yep. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nicole. That's okay. No problems. Thanks for having me, Josh. We will now finish by hearing from Kirsty. Hi, I'm Kirsty Harrison. I'm the Acting Manager of the Work and Development Order Service here at Legal Aid New South Wales. Thanks, Kirsty. Could we start off, would you be able to explain what the Fine Fixer tool is? Sure. So Fine Fixer is what we call a guided pathway tool. So that's where a user can proceed through a number of questions about a legal issue and at the 
conclusion of that pathway, they're given or provided with a legal option that deals with their matter and that legal option is tailored to their particular circumstances. What's great about the FindFixer tool is that the information is given quickly and at a point in time where legal intervention is likely to have the greatest impact. And do you see this kind of tool, can it be a substitute for legal advice or? Uh, not in all circumstances and certainly with this particular tool there are as a user may proceed through the different pathway options they might at the end of it be given the information that they actually need to obtain legal advice about their particular issue so it's certainly not in all circumstances intended to replace legal advice but rather for more simple matters provide options for resolution and mm-hmm. um, what's the easiest way for people listening to find it uh, it's on the Law Access website. So it's a, it's a category, the category of tool is called a guided pathway. And on the Law Access website, on their homepage, they have a link that takes you to all of their guided pathways. Amazing. And when did it launch? The FindFixer launched in September 2020, uh, which I guess the timing was serendipitous given that uh, we had still closed our outreach advice clinics. We were only providing phone advice at that time still. So having another option for people that had fines matters to obtain legal information about it quickly was really useful. And who is it for? Like who's the intended audience? The tool is targeted towards higher capability clients, so people that have the capacity to resolve their legal matter or their fine matter themselves without needing advice or further assistance to do that. Yeah, great. And what has the response been? Have you been getting a lot of users? A lot, actually. A lot more than we originally thought. So, Between September 2020 and April 2021, we have had almost 13,000 users and some of the more popular topics have been around how to nominate another driver and um, what options people that have more than one fine have for managing those fines or that fines debt. And have you had any kind of anecdotal feedback around how people are finding using the FindFixer tool? Yes, so the feedback that we've had is that it's really simple and easy to use. The actual interface is really user-friendly and the language is clear. There's no kind of legal jargon and that was done obviously quite intentionally, but that the language is accessible and just generally that the, the tool's quite easy to use and navigate. Yeah, great. Are you worried that because of this tool there might be people who need to speak to a lawyer, but because of the tool they might get turned off and not resolve their fine issue? I think you talked a little bit earlier around sometimes people might get referred to a lawyer at the end of the pathway. Yeah, certainly. So the fine fix is not intended to replace legal advice when particular issues arise during a user's journey through the pathway, it may be the case that they're presented with the information that they need to obtain legal advice to deal with their particular issue. What it does is provides 
legal information and options that are tailored to a, a, a person's particular circumstances. And we certainly hope that those people that are told that they need, do need legal advice, that they are given the options of how to take the next step to get in contact with a lawyer and get that advice. And I guess you've kind of talked about this a little bit, but what, what would you say to any community workers who are listening that are worried that some vulnerable clients may not have the literacy or the ability to access this tool? That's a really great question. So um, as I said earlier, the tool is targeted to higher capability clients. So we would always encourage vulnerable people to obtain legal advice through the usual channels, through Law Access Community Legal Centre and so forth. Um, but having said that, FindFixer is designed to allow a user to proceed through the entire pathway without providing any personal information at all. So advocates and community workers can they also have the option to assist their clients to work through the tool for more simple matters or they can refer them to law access for legal advice specific to their particular issue. Can I ask you about the 13,000 or so users that we've had? Do we have any idea about how they're finding FindFixer? We do. We have, interestingly, the majority of those um, a very large majority of those users have been referred to the Fine Fixer from the Revenue New South Wales website. So they've gone on to the, you know, they've been given a fine or a penalty notice. That fine has the Revenue New South Wales details on it. They've proceeded to that website and been referred off to Fine Fixer from the Revenue New South Wales website. You've been working with fines for a while now. Are you able to tell us what keeps you excited and what makes you passionate to work in this area of law? Um, I guess every day is different. Certainly in the fines law space, there's, for example, over 17,000 different types of penalty notice offences in New South Wales. So the range and breadth of work is very different. I guess... More recently, um, Revenue New South Wales have a really interesting program of work as a result of the Fairer Fines reforms where they're doing some community consultation with local communities to develop community action plans to address fines debt in, you know, areas of really high fines debt. Um, mm and tackle some of those problems, kind of giving community ownership of of some of the of the debt, but also some priorities in how they're going to address that debt. So that's at the moment a really exciting program of work to be involved in. Yeah, amazing. So the community's actually come up with a way to try to reduce fine debt in their own communities. Absolutely. And Revenue have provided them with details on the debt, so what types of debt, what the fines are, some of those kind of high, in regions where there are really high fines debt, what that debt actually is for. So they will provide community with a breakdown and, yeah, give them some ownership and agency over how to resolve um, some of those issues because in many cases they're systemic issues and that affects quite a, a significant number of people in a particular community. So, yeah, that's an exciting program and working with revenue in that space is, yeah, it's really interesting. I guess, too, from a work and development order perspective, which is 
probably a larger piece of our um, our work is supporting sponsors um, and organisations in the community who are existing WDO sponsors or want to become WDO sponsors to be able to support their clients to clear their fine step. Many of our sponsors, as you know, Josh, use the WDO scheme as a mechanism to engage with their clients. It can be a bit of a carrot to keep clients engaged with particular services or programs that incentivizes some of their work in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great program. For any community workers that are listening that may not be aware of what the Work and Development Order Scheme is, would you be able to explain that to us? Sure. So the Work and Development Order Scheme is a restorative justice program that allows eligible people to complete activities, treatment or volunteer work to clear their fines debt. So some of the activities could include volunteer work, medical or mental health treatment in accordance with a, a medical practitioner's treatment plan, educational activities, vocational life skills courses, for example, financial counselling or other counselling, drug and alcohol treatment. And for participants who are under 25, they're also able to complete a mentoring program. Mm. And who is eligible? Um, so there are eligibility criteria that apply for participation in the WDO scheme. So a person is eligible if they have a mental illness, an intellectual disability or a cognitive impairment, if they're homeless, if they have a serious addiction to drugs or alcohol or other volatile substances, or if they're in acute economic hardship. Okay. Do you think the Fine Fixer tool interacts well with the Work and Development Order Scheme? Absolutely. So we built into the Fine Fixer tool some of those uh, criteria about eligibility for participation in the scheme and those questions are asked as part of that pathway. So a user, um, if they are eligible and they answer those questions in the affirmative, then they will be told at the end when they kind of get to their options to resolve their fines, they will be told uh, you may be eligible for a work and development order and then what next steps they need to take. I might ask just one final question. Are you able to talk about the impact that fines can have on an individual? Sure. So um, fines can affect people in a number of ways. Of course, there's the obvious things around the financial difficulties and challenges around having fines and fines debt, even just having a time to pay, for example, arrangement with revenue where you're making smaller contributions to your fine just to pay it off over a period of time can have a really significant impact on your financial situation on, you know, as that payment plan plays out. But also there, having unpaid fines debt, if it's not managed, 
can have significant impacts on people where enforcement action has been taken by Revenue New South Wales. So when I talk about enforcement action, I mean things like imposing driver restrictions or, sorry, licence or business restrictions on a person. Um, So Mm. that's where their licence is suspended because of find a fault. And what can happen, and we see it, quite often in some of our casework is where some people might not be aware that they have a fine that's outstanding because they've moved or they haven't checked their mail or they haven't been given the notice. Revenue have then enforced that debt and suspended their licence and they're still driving and obviously Mm. there can be issues with secondary offending as a result. So, you know, I guess a key message is always to have your fines managed and under control because if you're on a payment plan or you're on a work and development order, then that will stop that enforcement action from Revenue New South Wales. If somebody has a few different fines, is that sometimes an indicator that they could have other legal issues as well? Yeah, that's a really good question. And what we find when, you know, when you have a fine or you have a penalty notice, you have a document, you have a due date, and you have something that can, I guess, prompt you to get some advice about. And when we meet with clients or we speak with clients and we discuss the fine and we do a law checkup with them when they do come to us for advice, and we often find that there are other things, what we know anecdotally or and even through the, the law survey done by the Law and Justice Foundation is that I think it's only around 16% of people that have a legal issue actually go to a lawyer to get advice about that issue. And so sometimes fines can be the reason that someone gets advice, but sometimes not the most pressing legal issue. So when we do that law checkup with them and um, some of those other issues come to the surface, we can support them to yeah to deal with all of their, their legal issues. Yeah, amazing. Are there different community organisations that might use the WDO scheme to incentivise their services? Yes, absolutely. I can give you an example of a health matter actually that comes to my mind. So recently a local health district had identified that their area had the lowest rate of pap smears in the country. So they launched a campaign to encourage women to attend for a pap smear. And as an incentive, that particular health service offered women the opportunity to reduce their fines through participating in a work development order in exchange for doing this preventative health check. And out of the 16 women who participated in the campaign, nine of them completed a work and development order and cleared their fines because under the work and development order guidelines, a person can do a WDO for treatment that is prescribed or recommended by a health practitioner or that's undertaken in accordance with a health practitioner's treatment plan. And you can clear up to $1,000 per month for full compliance with a medical treatment program. One of the women who participated in this particular campaign, she had not had a pap smear for quite some time. She attended the health service originally because it was an opportunity also for her to clear her fines. When she went back for her results, it was detected that she had early stages cancer and she received treatment at the local hospital and her 
prognosis was good. We've been advised since that she's doing quite well and she's had a baby since. So, yeah, we heard that she's become a bit of a health advocate (laughs) among her community, yeah. And just to finish off, are there any key messages that you'd like community workers to remember about Fine Fixer or Fines? Just to not ignore a fine and asking their clients the question, do you have fines? Because the thing about fines is that generally it's a pretty simple matter to resolve and there are a number of different ways that we can resolve fines for clients. There is a whole hardship program of work that revenue do and there are a number of things that we can do, either a WDO, a write-off application, even just supporting a client and putting them on a reasonable time to pay arrangement with revenue. But yeah, the key message, don't ignore a fine and ask your clients if they have one. Thank you so much. And any last final message around Fine Fixer itself that you'd like community workers to remember? Just that the tool, it only takes a few minutes. It will present a number of options for your clients and you can support your clients to go through that tool. It's completely anonymous. You don't need to enter any personal details of your clients and it's something that you can do really quickly to get some options to support your clients in resolving their fines matter. Just because I'm curious, do you know, would lawyers ever use this tool as well as something that they could go through with a client? Oh, definitely. And I've heard from other colleagues that practice in in other areas of law that they've used it and other CLCs. I mean, I myself have used other similar tools. You know, Josh, you and I have always, we love that motor vehicle <laughs> problem sure solver do. tool. So <laughs> even, you know, I think absolutely yes. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kirsty. And thank you, listeners. We hope you found this episode interesting and useful. Please check the show notes for a link to Fine Fixer and some information about fines and work and development orders and legal health checks. See you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode and found it useful, please share it with your organisation, your colleagues and communities. If you would like to access any of the information spoken about in the episode, please see the links in the show notes below. Until next time, thanks from all of us here at the CLE branch at Legal Aid New South Wales.